0: On today's show, KB and I are joined by the man known only as Johnny Leather, and he's going to explain to us how he went into Boston and snuck onto the set of the new Ghostbusters movie. On top of that, we'll be doing the final countdown per usual, and on the final countdown, the three of us are going to be ranking our top three stealthiest characters. That's right, these can be characters from video games television, movies, comic books, cartoons, whatever our hearts desire, the stealthiest characters, all that and much, much more on this edition of Free Your Geek.
1: who is coming. Finish him! Fatality. The choice is made. Whoa, whoa, oh, oh, whoa! The traveler has come. Nobody choose anything! Did you choose anything? No. Did you? line no, is totally blank. I didn't choose anything! I couldn't help it. It just popped in there. What? What just popped in there? I... I... I tried to think. Look! No! It can't be! What is it? It can't be! What did you do, Ray? Oh, shit! It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. you don't see every day I tried
2: to think of the most harmless thing something i loved from my childhood something that could never ever possibly destroy us mr stay Puft. nice thinking ray
0: and welcome to free your geek i am your host jay free and in the studio to my right even though you can't see me or him is my prestigious co-host a man by the name of a what up what's up and also in the studio, we have a very, very special guest. You heard it in the intro. A mysterious man who basically walks in through the shadows. A man by the name of Johnny Leather. Johnny, welcome to Free Your Geek.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, now, you're very welcome. And it's cool because we want to kind of just... We're going to start off. We gotta, You have a very exciting story, which I think is going to be amazing. But let's just start off, let's let's go back to when, you know, Little Johnny Leather, um, some of the things growing up, or even even now, what are you a geek for? What are you a passionate about? What's some of the things that you just, you, you put your heart and soul into?
3: Uh, quite a few things. Uh, growing up, I loved a lot of the, the 80s movies that are coming back in uh, style right now. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Ghostbusters 2, obviously, those are some of my favorites. Blues Brothers, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, definitely probably would have to say hands down would be my uh, favorite film series and just growing up you know with the toys uh the te- the cartoon shows the movies just grew up uh, loving those movies
0: so it's more of an 80s pop culture 80s and early 90s pop culture absolutely aficionado. yeah yeah excellent excellent so um i know you brought up back to the future and i kind of want to get this out of the way because i want to get to your ghostbuster story sure, sure um but let's let's just start with the, the Back to the Future. So on top of your story that you're going to tell us, you've also had a couple of other interests, including, uh, I guess you could say prop making. Would it be prop oh, making? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're actually building a DeLorean.
3: Right, right. Here's the thing, because um, the Back to the Future Time Machines, the, uh, they, the, the base was actually a 1981 DeLorean. It was a standard. And... They put a lot of used aircraft pots all over the back. Um, you know, they metal fabricated the fins. So it was a lot of uh, custom made uh, <coughs> devices that they put on there. So that's my dream car, um, you know, and I someday I'm gonna own one. So what I've been doing is slowly collecting all the random pots and props or making my own. For instance, uh, the Mr. Fusion is a German coffee grinder. So I found it on eBay. It was orange. I painted it white, got the decals and all that. I uh, found the plutonium gauges. Those are just old sort of uh, World War II surplus round, and there's a square uh, electric gauges. And I would probably say I've probably got – now, I obviously have to buy the DeLorean, but for all the extra pieces and props, uh, I've probably got about 15% of the car.
0: Nice. Well, see, when you told me that – I thought you were just like doing maybe like a scale model. I didn't realize you oh, were doing no. a full. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome.
3: Yeah, I got the Mr. Fusion. I got some plutonium gauges. I got a Maddie collector hoverboard. Uh, it actually won me a costume contest. Uh, the Comedy Connection over in Providence. They had October 21st, 2015 uh, Mar- a costume contest. So I went there and the hoverboard is, I mean, my costume was okay. But the hoverboard had me win the contest, and I uh, got some tickets to Rhode Island Comic Con.
0: Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. For for the the 2015, so last right, last the year one we just passed. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. KB and I are going to be there. Um, yeah. And KB, I want I want to throw it to you real quick. Um, I've only seen Back to the Future one and two and parts of three. Uh, Same how, with how, me. Parts okay. of three. Okay, so just to to Johnny Leather here. Um, if you were to, to rank them, I mean, I'm assuming the first, the original, is, is going to take the top spot. But how does three kind of gauge? Is it, is it kind of that, like... Because
2: that's, that's the one you always hear people like, eh.
3: It's. I would think I've got a different take on that. When I was younger, I loved the second one. Hoverboards, flying cars, I was all about it. And as I've gotten a bit older, I actually prefer the third movie.
0: Okay, uh,
3: I really grew a great taste for westerns. Um, there's a lot of real cool kind of throwbacks because the the uh, Mad Dog Tannen they borrowed a lot of his character from. Ooh, what's the, I should know this? Uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance with, um, with Jimmy Stewart. You could definitely, if you see both characters, you could see they kind of borrowed quite a bit from there. And uh, I really enjoy how. It's just the whole story of um and actually it's kind of a role reversal because in parts one and two uh Doc was sort of like you know kind of guided Marty, and in the third one, actually it's a bit of a role reversal where Marty's kind of helping doc
0: okay, so it's more like where in the first two Doc was more of the mentor right right and now and now Marty's doing picking up the slack and doing that where where doc's kind of the one right
3: they they even um they even, you know, in the first two movies, uh Marty would say, This is heavy, and Doc would say, Great Scott. And actually in the third movie, they actually reverse those lines where there's a paradigm yeah, shift. Uh, okay, that's cool. So yeah. I never noticed that.
0: So and again, like I said, I haven't I haven't seen that one. All I remember is the train and yeah, it's, it's a whole yeah. thing. Um so that's that's really cool. So so you're building a, a life size, you're gonna buy a DeLorean right. and you're gonna that's cool. It's now, once you have that, now this just popped into my head. Yeah. What are you going to do with the car? Are you going to drive it around or are you going to do it for more like shows, like different conventions and oh, stuff like that?
3: I'm definitely driving it. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd like to take it to shows if, you know, if I could raise some money for charity. Um, speaking of riding the Comic-Con, the first one I went to, I believe two or three years ago, uh, I actually got to meet uh, the owner of the only privately owned screen-used DeLorean that's in private hands. All the other ones are still uh, owned by Universal. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually from the third movie. The one that my buddy owns, uh, they used it when he's driving in the desert. So actually the chassis, uh, I forget exactly what it is, but it's not a stock DeLorean chassis. They kind of had some clearance on it so it could go over the rocks mm-hmm. and in the desert.
0: Mm. So Okay, so, uh, so it's a uh, kind of... Altered a little bit from the, from the standard DeLorean, but it was. Point being, it's used on it was. Right, it's in the film, used, huh? yeah. So yeah. It, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um. So and that was a couple of years ago. You right. said so. Do you foresee yourself? And you said you mentioned charity. Is there any particular charities? that you're more passionate about or anything that sticks in your mind or did i just kind of like throw a throw, throw a curveball at you
3: well um the first thing is to uh you know finish the project right right you, That's know?
0: A, you don't want to do the cart before the horse type right thing, right but, but
3: w- uh i guess i would try to raise some money for the the parkinson's foundation uh michael j fox's Brilliant. uh you know his yeah. foundation
2: now we haven't gotten to the ghostbusters thing yet but how would you feel about a back to the future remake If they Mm -hmm. did kind of the same thing like they did with Ghostbusters.
0: And who would they use as Doc? Yeah, would it be female characters?
2: Like, would they shift it
0: like that? Oh,
3: Okay. All right. Hmm.
0: So instead of Marty, it's like Martina?
3: (laughs) You know, I know there was obviously a lot of drama and internet hate about the new movie for Ghostbusters. But I'm going to go with uh, Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, and pretty much everyone who was really involved they're saying over my dead body they actually printed up shirts when uh crew shirts that said no back to the future four with like a big no cross through it so i you know they're perfect movies everything (coughs) you know every little detail winds up coming back you know in later on in the series uh yeah i i would not want a back to the future remake
0: that's yeah. that's interesting. I think if they did do it, uh, Marty McFly would probably be played by. I'm going to guess Chris Pratt because they're putting him in everything now. Um, Paul Rudd. Paul. Ru- oh, Paul Rudd. I that, think Paul Rudd. Uh, that wouldn't be. I think he'd play more of a doc because yeah. you got to figure like if they're going to do a Marty McFly, are they going to do somebody that's like still in high school? Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. Maybe Chris Pratt wouldn't even work. I, I'm trying to figure out who. Uh, Mm. who they could they could cast for that it's hard to
2: beat those two guys but
0: i i agree that like with you know as much as you're a fan of nostalgia and 80s movies and and early 90s the remakes some of the remakes are just bad ideas some of the remakes if they have a good story can absolutely work um but before we get into ghostbusters because that's kind of like the crux of what i really want to talk about i want to talk about one other thing you said that um, and this is a great segue, by the way, uh, you said uh, your buddy owns a screen used DeLorean and all the rest are owned by Universal. Right. Yeah. Now, did you used to work for a theme park named Universal?
3: I actually did uh, right after college. I literally threw my hat in the air and went down and did the Disney college program.
0: OK, so you, you, you graduate, you throw the cap and yeah. by the time it lands, you're already gone. It's, like, it's, like, the it's like the car. military. They yeah. ship you off the next day.
3: Yeah, I'm in the car. I'm, I'm out, you know. Uh, so I'm going down to Florida and I, it's a great program. I mean, um, you know, you get to live down there, you work down there, you live in a glorified dorm. Um, it definitely was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved it.
0: So, so with the universal, what did you, can you talk about what you did at universal? Oh
3: yeah. Uh, so I started working at Disney and then, um, what's the college?
0: Let's start with Disney then. So let's, let's, let's start with Disney and, and work our way at a universal. Sure.
3: Sure. Yeah. So I started at Disney and, uh. I actually drove the parking lot tram, and I, I loved it. I mean, um, I like to tell people I was Prince Charming, but <laughs> <laughs> in real life, I was I drove the parking lot tram. So,
0: so for those that have never had the luxury of going to Disney World, basically, after you park your car, you can go to like almost like a little bus state, not a bus station, but like a stop, kind of like when you were going to school and you wait at like a, a bus stop, and this tram picks you up and actually drives you to the park.
3: R- Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, goes thirteen miles an hour. Uh, holds two hundred and ten people, and it was a lot of fun to drive. You so, know? so
0: in Florida, yeah, you're in there. The the weather, the 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 temperature is gonna be is gonna be hot. So, was that like one of the cool, for lack of better term, uh, jobs to have to, to be? Because it was like there a breeze and you get was to, it
2: fun or was it painful? I guess is kind yeah, of the question.
0: Yeah, that's, that's I good. love
3: the job. Okay, now it is not rocket science by any means of the imagination, cool. but that being said, you have to control literally thousands of people driving their cars. They don't know where they're going. They're from all over the world. And it could very easily turn into absolute carnage. But you know, there's, they train you, there's ways to proceed. And, but the thing with the heat, no. The parking lot is the absolute worst job to have because there's oh. no shade.
0: And it's all, it's all the Black tar and it's, the tar. it's, yeah, yeah. it's oh. all sun. Yeah. 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 So Um, now, did you? So you started with that. Did you move to anything else in Disney?
3: I did. um, I did uh, the parking lot. That was my favorite job. And then I did a few shifts uh, controlling the crowds for the parades. Uh, You get to walk in the parade, make sure people aren't going and crossing and getting run over by the floats. And then toward the end of uh, me working at Disney, I was actually working at uh, Soren over at Epcot.
0: Okay. Very cool. Yeah.
3: Oh. uh, Wow. Um, Light bulb just went off. Yeah, yeah. So one of the cool things about working down there is, you know, everyone goes down there. You know, you know, Joe Blow off the street or even, you know, famous stars. And I got to load George Lucas and his family onto the ride.
0: Wow. K- KB is drooling right now. now. KB is a huge Star Wars nerd.
3: Right. Now, I like to tell people that I gave him the idea to sell to Disney because this was when I saw him. It was celebration. It was the one that was in Orlando. I think five. I could be wrong with that. But it was a celebration, Star Wars celebration. So, they had this huge, gigantic Star Wars convention neighboring uh, Disney World. And at Hollywood Studios, they had Star Wars weekends. So, you can get autographs. Chewbacca was there. All Star Wars. And so, I knew he was in the parks. I knew George Lucas was in the parks. I'm like, oh, I hope I can meet him. I hope I can meet him. So... How the Soren ride works is you load everybody, you stand on a numbered seat, one, two, and that's where you, you sit in there. And then you have to watch like a uh, safety video, and then you load them onto the ride. And the ride takes about five minutes, so you've got a five-minute break while the people are actually riding the ride, and then you have to unload them. So I load the ride just a regular day, and I knew George Lucas was in the parks, but I'm like, yeah, like the odds. What? Of me are, yeah. What him. are the chances? Right. Right. So then I load a load a, um, I load a ride. They're in the ride. So I go in the back to try to check my cell phone for a little bit. I open the door. And you're trained to not – you can't ask for autographs. You have to treat them like a regular guest. Mm. I open the door. It's George fucking Lucas. And I'm just like, don't react. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know. And it's odd because he looks like an Ewok, honest to God. <laughs> he's short. He's got a big beard. He had a standard flannel shirt. He had like a Gilligan, almost like a sailor hat folded down to try to.
2: Yeah, know. he didn't he, he want people. Right, really right. Them, yeah. And
3: his glasses. I'm like, holy shit. And um, and then I realized that there's three um, there's three trains or there's three actual uh, canopies where the people sit. And I knew I was working in the middle one, which is the prime seat. So, yeah. So, George Lucas is like, I'm going to load him because mm-hmm. I'm in the, the, the best seat. So, I load him. And, um, you know, he wasn't the most nicest, but, you know, I can understand. I mean, he, there's a lot of people who like to bust his balls and, um, you know, so he, was, he wasn't the most talkative, but uh, I get uh, to meet him and his whole family. I'm
2: almost surprised by that, like, because you hear about like what, like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, like buying parks for the day and closing them down, like just for the privacy. And oh, so you're, you're, you're,
0: n- you're not surprised that George Lucas was a jerk, you're, or just not f- as forthcoming. You were more surprised, he yeah, didn't shut the park
2: down. Yeah, well, not shut the park down, but have some other. Well, that's private. the thing. Yeah. If,
0: if you're rich or if you're
3: famous or a little bit both, they actually have um, private tour guides yeah. or guest services will actually walk you around. Yeah. They'll take you through all the back the back alleys, and uh, or backstage. And my friend was one of her was one of his tour guides. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you don't want to. I know he was on yeah. vacation. He's not going to talk to this random guy. That's yeah. You know. But, um, yeah, so I lure him the ride. Uh, I get to take. Oh, it's, it's interesting because his life is something out of Jerry Springer. Because I guess he's had a few adopted kids. And one of them, they were in high school at the time. Uh, I guess his son, you know had a kid with another high school girl so both families are there and it was just it was just like they're holding the kid like they're holding a duffel bag you (laughs) could tell they were very new (laughs) parents they had a lot to learn Um, but they all were nice I got to take pictures of the whole because they filled the whole role between the two extended families so I got to take the pictures of them for um, you know for the family and uh, yeah I mean I got to meet George Lucas that's a cool story that's a really really cool story
0: it is cool and so we go from there, and then – is, is that your whole time in Disney, or did you – and then
3: – Yeah, I was at Disney for about two years, and um, after the, the college program, I could only get part-time, so I ended up getting full-time over at Universal. And this is when they were grand opening the Harry, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Now, Harry Potter just wasn't my thing. I mean, I read the books I, – well, I read the first book when, when it came out when I was younger – I remember thinking, all right, 100 pages before something actually happens. So uh, Harry Potter just wasn't my thing. Well, they're hiring for, uh, for the Wizarding World. So I'm like, oh, I got to get into this. So I go and I get the job. And they wanted you to know about Harry Potter in order to work there. So I watched all the movies. And I read the last book because the last movie wasn't out at the time. And, yeah, I mean, it's great stuff. It's not my favorite. But, I, you know, it's great characters, great story, uh, definitely entertaining and as much as I hate to say this, um, what they did with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is amazing. It, you're on the movie set. It's the detail into everything, the ride, um, because the ride actually, um, it was codenamed Arm when they were making it. Because what <coughs> it is, it's actually a conveyor belt. with. It, it's actually like an arm. So... The seats is actually where the fist would be.
0: So for the, for the listeners, uh, Johnny Leather is basically flexing a muscle. He's showing <laughs> off. He's showing off his biceps. But essentially, what he's doing is he's he's pivoting his arm up, making a fist in the air, and he's saying that your your the seats would be where the arm is, and it's just pivoting left and right, forward and backwards, right. side mm-hmm. to side.
3: And it factors in, um, you know, live action three live action elements, three D video. Uh, sounds spraying you with water. It's the best ride I've ever been on. It really mm. feels real. That's cool. So that's even really if you're
2: cool. not a fan, it's like it's still an right, experience. Right? Yeah. But yeah. It, that's how most of Disney's built, though, right? I mean, there's a few things. I'm assuming that are I I haven't been in so long.
3: You know, as much as I prefer Disney, the Wizarding World, and I haven't been in six <clears> years, but um, the Wizarding World just blew everything out of the water. Uh, the detail with, with everything, like you can't even get um, a Coca Cola there. You can get a butter beer. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. It's interesting. Um,
0: I haven't been to Disney or to, to Disney World, Epcot, or Universal, whatever, in probably twelve, thirteen years. Same but here. One of the new things, mm-hmm. I don't know. And this is this. You guys might not know this. Did you, either of you guys watch Guardians of the Galaxy? The movie. Yes. Guardians. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're building a Guardians ride at Disney, which is going to be. I, I'm getting a look.
3: All right, what they're what the plan is is they're gonna renovate the Tower of Terror, which is a Twilight Zone themed ride, and turn it into Garden uh, Guardians. Yeah, of the Twilight
2: galaxy. Zone is kind of.
0: Well, it's it's it's, it's, it's classic, classic, but, it's, but children yeah. probably won't. It's not as family oriented as Guardians. Well, to an extent, yeah. yeah. I mean, Twilight Zone is, is awesome and, and fantastic. Well, I it and was awesome. Like, I love, and quick aside, you know, New Year's Day, uh, I think it's like sci fi plays like a whole marathon yeah. of Twilight Zone, and I just love DVRing like specific episodes. But I can see with, you know, Disney purchasing Marvel. You, and you've got to do something with it because yeah. the Guardians is like is like, like a Star Wars almost. It's like Star Wars meets Indiana Jones. And you, you need to capitalize on that. Groot is a character that kids will love. Rocket's a character kids will love. You have to do something with it. So I heard that news, I believe, it was at Comic-Con. Um, and I'm a little interested to hear that. Um, so you've pretty much had the little like the Disney and Universal experience. Uh, you're, you're building a Delorean, right? Right. And the other area of geekery, which you mentioned, is you know '80s and '90s like pop culture movies and whatnot. So, for those that have been living under a rock, they have remade the Ghostbusters movie, which is out now with an all-female cast. And Johnny Leather was able to sneak onto the set. So let's um, let's get a little bit into that. Let's talk about one. Why did you want to do it? Uh, I mean, I think I know why because we've already discussed it. Two, um, how you how you actually did it, and then let's do three, the end result, like what you thought of the movie because KB and I, I'm assuming you've seen it. We're all yeah, yeah, KB and I have yet to see it. so yeah. we want to get you know, there's not a sour taste in the mouth, but we want like an honest review of somebody that loved the original movies and because there was so much backlash about I have no problem with it being a female cast I'm Me I'm very you know. I'm a fan fe- of that's
2: kind of what the show is a little bit about. Yeah, is making it for everybody. Yeah, it's exactly
0: yeah. every everybody should you know, it's it's gonna be enjoyable for everybody. So I have no problem with that. But I want to just know because there's been a ton of negative backlash. The trailer on YouTube is like one of the most disliked videos of all time. Um, so I want to kind of let's just start from the beginning. Why you went there, how you did it, and then after you completed your your co op mission to sneak onto the set, did you see the movie and what were your What was your reaction and your review, your honest review? Try to be as spoiler-free as possible, but um, I want to get that, too.
3: Sure, sure. Well, um, to be honest, when it first came out, I was against it because I wanted a sequel. Definitely wanted a sequel. I know Harold Ramis died, but, you know. So I was against it, and then I heard that Dan Aykroyd was involved, and I was like, okay, good, I'm fine. Like, if Dan Aykroyd's involved, fine, whatever they – you know, I trust Mm -hmm. his judgment in that. So I didn't have (laughs) – Nearly the amount of all the backlash and the hate that obviously everyone has heard about. Um, but So then I find out that I see a casting call on Facebook I believe there was an ad. Open casting call for Ghostbusters and I was, oh I'm doing this. I don't care what I have to do. I'm getting into this. It's in Boston. Because even as a kid I remember the second movie and I remember I was talking about this um, uh, with my parents. Because at the end when they're... uh, they're fighting the last ghost, Vigo, mm-hmm. outside the the museum, and there's all these these crowds, and it was New Year's Eve in the movie, so there's all these like, and I remember thinking like, like those are just random people, like how, what's the yeah. deal with them? And I, I was like, so how do they do that? And it's like, oh, they have, you know, I found out that they have people the extras. And I'm like, okay, and then I find out that it's in Boston. I'm like, oh, I got to make this happen. So, I go to the casting call with my brother, and I believe what they were looking for mainly was there was a rock concert scene. So, they really wanted the first ghost that they catch. It's not really, there, you know, they're going to cast goat, catch ghosts. So, um, it's the one in the trailer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, that's what they were looking for. So, they were looking for metalheads. And I went with my brother, and my brother's got more of a punk rock look to him. Um, so, he fit right in. Okay. So, you wait in line, you get your pictures. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And I see this this guy, and I talk to him, and I could tell immediately from the look in his face, he puts me in the don't call pile. And I remember thinking to myself, it just a, a switch went on in my head. I'm like, fuck you, this Millhouse looking motherfucker is gonna stop me <laughs> from being in my, fi- you know, one of my favorite movies, Ghostbusters. No, yep. fuck you, I'm making this happen. So. <laughs> so uh so he puts me to double call pile and i kept calling you know i kept trying to get in and then i realized because how it works is if you were supposed to be there is they give you a website address and the website address had all the information where to park when to get there your checking number okay so i realized that there's 300 numbers and i'm thinking uh, i'm just gonna blend into the crowd there's 300 people it's gonna be mm. easy boom so i get there and then i realized crap they're doing like check-in you had to call your number and your name and they checked you off. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to roll the dice. I'm going to be number 85. And I know that I've got a 50 50 shot of either being a male name or a female name. So I go up there and he goes, what's your number? 85. Are you so-and-so? I go, yes. And he checks me off as so a boom. He stamps my hand wristband and I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Now I'm also keeping track of like what color wristband, what color hand stamps. So like I would go on Amazon and I would like overnight delivery, the hand stamp. So I could just stamp myself in and get bypassed security or, um, you know, I bought the same color wristband. So, you know, so I kind of had this down pat of how to get in. I ended up working on the movie for 13 days. I got paid for 10. Because it got to a point. Oh, it's this kid. Yeah, he was here the other day. Yeah, he's supposed to be here. You know. So then I actually started getting on the payroll and stuff like this. And um, yeah, it was it was definitely nerve wracking. What do they pay you for that? It's not bad if you're if you're in the Screen Actors Union. It's about two hundred bucks a day. If you're just a regular, I, they call them day players. It's around a hundred bucks a day. There's all the food you can eat, <laughs> which I definitely enjoyed. And. It's a lot of hurry up and wait because you're there for 10, 12, even, you know, there was an 18 hour day, I believe one time and they'll use you for a scene do this person stands here, you run and all that. And, uh, and that's, that's how I, that's how I got in. And, uh, the first time I did it, I believe they were shooting uh, Cause I was on set for most of the movie. Like I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, yeah, I was there. I was, you know, and all this. I'm actually in the trailer uh, right before Leslie Jones jumps and nobody catches her. And I would love because they never told us why we're not catching her. Yeah. Uh, they obviously they caught Melissa McCarthy and they're doing a mosh pit, mm-hmm. but and it's right before the scene where she says, "I don't know if it's a race thing or a lady thing, but I'm mad as hell." I'm in. I'm in those people. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it, it was just, just an awesome experience.
2: So that wasn't a stunt double?
3: Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you do get to see all the various, you know, they have stunt people, stand-ins. Actually, the f- in the first scene of the movie, there's a red-headed girl and a blonde girl when they're in the Aldridge mansion. And they're actually, uh, they're either the stand-ins or the stunt doubles for Melissa, for Christ, uh, Kristen Wigg and Kate McKinnon. So being on set and actually watching the movie, I do get to kind of see a lot of That's cool inside things that I picked up when the final cut came out. That's cool.
0: So you sneak in, you overnight delivery the stamp, yeah, the wrist yeah. brands, wristbands you can get in. You get paid to do it, which again, hundred bucks a day. Yeah. Which isn't bad. Unless you have an eighteen hour day, then it's about five dollars and fifty five cents. Yeah, but you're getting fed all day. That's true too. So you don't have to buy food, you're just hanging out. Yeah, and right. you get to like see like Hollywood productions. Yeah, so that's yeah. cool. So okay, so you you sneak in, you take part in these scenes, the movie comes out. Do you see yourself in the movie?
3: Yeah. I'm in that's the trailer and cool. the same scene that's in the trailer is also in uh, the final cut. And they shot a lot I the the biggest things I was involved in was uh, the rock concert scene. And there was a lot more that was shot, which I believe is going to be on the DVD. It'll probably be an extended DVD thing. Because the singer, Adam Ray, he's a comic. He was also in The Heat and another Paul Fig movie. Um, The ghost ends up picking him up, and he's hanging upside down, and he's talking. Uh, But the coolest thing that I think, and I... You know, you had to sign non-disclosure agreements. They really didn't want you talking about it. And my favorite Ghostbuster uh, growing up was Dr. Ray Stantz or Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Also in the Blues Brothers and quite a few other my favorite movies. And there was one scene uh, where... And I, you know, I'm from Fall River, so I really wanted to show some uh, local pride in Vance and Leather. I made sure to wear my Vance and Leather jacket as much as I could uh, in the movie. So... Pretty much the scene is uh, Dan Aykroyd plays a cab driver and tries to pick up Kristen Wiig. And obviously at the extra level, we didn't know that Dan Aykroyd was there. So it's like, okay, you stand there, you stand there, and we tell everybody to run, we want you to run. And they also had all these uh, controlled stunt drivers driving the cars. So we would run down the street, they would reset everything, and we kept repeating, repeating all, it was about 12 hours of running in 80, (laughs) 90 degree weather. In a zipped-up leather jacket and jeans in Boston. So uh, I definitely got my exercise that day. Anyway, so after about the third reset, I'm like, I start looking at this taxicab. And I'm standing probably 15 feet. I'm on the curb. And in the street, it's this taxicab. It keeps doing this three-point reverse turn. Then I actually look at who's driving. That's how close I was. That's Dan fucking Aykroyd. I'm like, wow. Like, he's actually in the movie. I was all, I was all into the movie at that point point. and uh, it's right. It's uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd and another scene that was actually in the trailer is there's a lot of people running in the daytime and in the movie, Kristen Wiig is looking up and she's all sweated up. She's, you know, obviously outside running well on when they were filming that scene. The assistant director says okay when i pat you on the back i want you to run as fast as you can right over there so he pats me on the back i start booking running and i almost shut down production i almost ruined the whole movie because (laughs) all right so i start running full speed and then kristen wiggs steps out right in front of me and i'm like
0: "Fuck!" slow motion
3: (laughs) i have to so i'm going from full speed then i have to stop and not tackle her and you know get her hurt and ruin the whole movie and so i'm like oh crap so i slowed down i did make contact with her but you know nobody got hurt or anything and uh you know i'm thinking back after like man i could have ruined the whole movie luckily i didn't could have delayed
2: it at least <laughs> right
3: right delayed yeah yeah because yeah. if Kristen wig is hurt and injured they can't, like i'm thinking fall river man <laughs> closes down ghostbusters hundreds of people lose their jobs but luckily that didn't happen and they actually liked it because he kept timing me to And when they kept filming the scene again, he kept timing you to kind of run when she was there. So I just ran behind her Mm. for all the other scenes. But uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, the rock concert scene, and uh, (laughs) almost tackling Kristen Wiig uh, definitely was fun. And in the final scene of the movie, uh, in the final cut of the movie, it's, it's perfect because I believe it cuts... To my brother, you get, it's only for a second, but you can definitely see him, like a full face shot of my brother. Then to uh, one of the members of the Ghostbusters of New Hampshire, Luna X Moz. she's standing right behind, um, you'll know it when you see the movie, it's a real high profi- profile cameo. So she's standing right behind some rock singer, and then it cuts to me. I'm like, wow, like 3 some of my favorite people, boom, 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 cut, 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 we're all in the movie, we made it and it just just was an awesome experience that's
2: awesome it sounds like you got some memories there that yeah yeah yeah.
3: and that movie changed my life because you know it's great for networking i mean if even if you're not into the because you're going to meet people you are never going to meet you know in other walks of life so i get to talking to uh this woman and uh, helped get me a job. I'm like a real life Lewis Tully.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna say what that job yeah. is, but basically, yeah. So not only did you sneak on set, yeah. make the final cut of the movie, yeah. but now and you got paid for doing that, yeah. Now you got a job out of it. You yeah. keep forgetting he got fed all day.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, got to see Dan Aykroyd. I'm like, wow, like boom. That you know, I know a lot of people like Bill Murray, but Dan Aykroyd. That yeah. was. That was the highest. It it was those
2: two guys in the eighties. I
0: I was an Ernie Ernie Hudson guy. Yeah, I I love. Interesting. Yeah, Winston was my favorite. I don't know why. Um, Okay, so if you had to give, we won't go into spoiler territory, but if you had to give it a grade, uh, let's go schoolyard school school grades A through F. What would you give the the movie?
3: A solid A minus, B plus. A kind of. how i rate it is because you know, i believe rotten tomatoes gave it a similar score it's a lot of fun there's a ton of action uh now this might be controversial but the first two ghostbuster movies are definitely better movies but i will say that i laughed more and so this new one is funnier than the, the previous it's ghostbuster more punchline movies. driven yeah i just laughed more yeah yeah, yeah. um well, yeah,
0: humor humor is tough, though, because humor is yeah. a very subjective thing. But uh, again, depending on the style of, of humor, yeah. uh, again, I, I heard the same thing. People really, really enjoy it. And uh, one of my best friends and I actually got in a very heated discussion about this. So shout out to uh, DJ Chris, because um, he, he's, you know, it's more like I, I thought it'd be more along the lines of like almost like a like a 40 year old virgin or like a role models or even like a, a spy with Melissa McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy type of humor in that, where I think that it was a lot uh, drier and and more more exactly, sarcastic yeah. in the older movies. So I think it's this one's going to be more slapsticky, and that's just my initial like reaction to it. But mm-hmm. if, if you're saying if you grew up with the '80s movies right. and, and not early '90s movies, and you're saying give it a chance, I'm going to have to check it yeah. out.
3: Well, I am biased because obviously I'm in the movie, so I think uh, it's the best movie well, ever. We'll <laughs> have to we'll have
0: to find you in there,
3: <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. A lot of people seem to enjoy it. Uh, the reviews are good. It's doing decent at the box office. Uh, my favorite ca- Kate McKinnon, I'm going to just call him Thor and Leslie Jones. Hilarious. I mean, I think they make the movie.
0: So yeah, both of them, uh, both Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon are SNL players yeah, along yeah. with Kristen Wiig and then, uh, Melissa McCarthy. So, yeah, I mean, they, there's some good imp- – I'm sure there was tons of improv. I'm sure there was all kinds of stuff there too. But, um, yeah, it sounds like you had a really good time and you have uh, tons of memories. And it's, it's one of those things to kind of show uh, – before we go to break here, I just want to kind of uh, touch upon this. You know, you had this desire. You had this drive. To, this is what you wanted. You found a way to make it happen. And I think that's a very good message for people. Like, if there's something you want to do, do it what's what's the worst that can happen
3: right exactly i mean a lot of people probably would have you know this production assistant the casting would said no and they would have gave up at that but if you want something you just got to get off your ass and fucking do it um and then that's what i did there's a saying with the rock and i'm gonna pretty much what it says is um don't wait for opportunity to knock kick down that door smile and introduce yourself and that's exactly what i did um it, it ha- improved my my career. I'm not trying to be, you know, an actor, but um,
0: But it's one of those things like so uh, uh, you know, so, a person that would give up a little bit more so and just throw in the towel, go in they say no, and that's fine. Okay, great. You take it that step further, you don't take that no for an answer and you're like, I'm going to just roll the dice and see yeah, what happens. Yeah, And you made the final cut of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's cool.
3: No acting experience, never been in a movie <laughs> and you know, to be, to be on the final cut of a movie like Ghostbusters, 140-something but dollar, million-dollar budget. Um, yeah, it was...
0: And, uh, and it's something that's documented for the rest of your right. life and for, for future generations to see, and you're yeah. always going to be on that.
3: And um, if there's any advice, like, you know, just there's so much opportunity in this area. Um, they filmed Ghostbusters, The Departed, uh, Spotlight, which I believe won an Oscar. I mean, they shoot movies, uh, Central Intelligence with The Rock. Um Again, Black Mass. I mean, there's tons of movies in Boston. There's tons of opportunity. You just got to get out and and make it happen. And I love movies. I'm not, you know, uh, I would have been happy being a camera guy, you know, crew. There's so many jobs. There's a reason why they call it show business. You know, you you can make it happen.
0: That's awesome. I think that's a good message to have. So um, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back and get into the final countdown. This is For Your Geek.
3: Are you ready to upgrade your office
2: space or living area for an affordable price? Stop by Pachico's Furniture, where you can expect a delightful shopping experience, all while saving you some of your hard-earned money. Pachico's Furniture specializes in used furniture, antiques, jewelry, electronics, video games, Blu-ray, DVD, musical instruments, and much, much more. Whether buying or selling, we strive on being Fall River's finest second-hand store. Pachico's Furniture is a family-owned and operated business located on 663 Bedford Street, formerly Billy's Cafe, in Fall River,
1: Massachusetts. Come on by. You'll be pleasantly surprised.
0: Welcome back to Free Your Geek. Jay Free is back. KB is back. I'm back. Nobody asked. But that's okay. Just playing <laughs> Just playing, KB. We love you. And Johnny Leather. What's going on, man? So, we did a little uh, Pink Panther because we were talking about Johnny Leather sneaking on to set. And that's also leading to uh, another segment that I love to do. And we call that segment The Final Countdown. The final countdown where we rank different criteria depending on our guests. So with with Johnny Leather being here and him sneaking onto the set of Ghostbusters, KB, Johnny and I are gonna do the top three stealthiest slash sneakiest characters in any medium, whether it be books, television, movies, comic books, video games. Video games. Thank you, KB. Yep. I knew I was forgetting one. So the way it works, for those new to the show, we're going to start with our guests. Start at number three, go to KB's number three, then mine, all the way down to number one, and then we'll get out of here. So starting with Johnny Leather. Johnny, your third number three pick for sneakiest slash stealthiest characters.
3: I would say the third pick for the stealthiest uh, character was the character Ed Norton played in The Score. Now... In the movie, uh, Robert De Niro and the the other character, they uh, try to steal this priceless scepter from a museum. And what he does in order to infiltrate the system is he gets a job as a janitor, but he plays – he fools everybody. And he's working as a mentally challenged janitor, so no one would suspect that he's actually going to rob the museum.
0: Very cool, very cool. Uh, That's your number three pick? Yeah. yeah. Okay. KB, what do you got for number three?
2: My number three is a comic book character from the early 90s um, with Image Comics called Shadowhawk. Very cool. Yep. Shadowhawk was a really interesting character back in the 90s. Uh, It was created by Jim Valentino, and uh, it was about um, this—basically a guy, not like Batman, but he fought for justice. He had armor. He had the the, the hawk-looking helmet. um, What was really awesome is— he was always hiding in the shadows, and he would, you know, hide looking for like muggers, people committing crimes, and just you'd see the red eyes in the shadow. So very mysterious, like you don't know what's looking at you. Um, and he would come out, and unlike Batman, and just arresting them, he'd break their spines. Um, pretty gruesome. Uh, the character was also HIV positive, uh, which That's at the time was a big, big deal. We're talking uh, like '93. Um, another interesting thing in the character talk about kind of stealthy and sleuthy and not knowing. Uh, the reader was kept on their heels. The first six issues, you did not know who Shadowhawk was. So they had like four or five possible characters you thought this person was. But, <laughs> you know, you had to keep guessing. So it was pretty cool.
0: So not only was it stealthy as a character, but yeah. it was also kept you guessing yes, with the secret exactly. identity.
2: exactly. Exactly. So you get up to the sixth issue, and he takes his helmet off. You're like, oh, that's who it is. Um, and it ends up being the character with, with HIV, which was interesting. Because now on top of jumping from rooftops or grappling hooks and dodging into the shadows and things like that and fighting all these um, super beings and and, and villains and stuff like that he's also dealing with HIV at the time where they didn't have medications and things like that so really really good uh, good read but that that's my number
0: three thank you KB my number three is also a comic book but also a movie character in the movies she is played by Rebecca Romaine and Jennifer Lawrence and in the comics she's crazy badass and I'm talking about a character from the X-Men primarily a villain known as Mystique. And why is she stealthy or sneaky? Well, let's first start with she's a shapeshifter, so she can look like anyone. But there's been also some other alterations to her power. In a non-canon series called X-Men Forever, it was a miniseries, her powers got boosted. She could now use her powers to not only change her shape but alter her physical abilities, such as she could then now sprout wings, or she could give herself night vision. And she could even compress herself to a flat 2D shape. Think of it like, a, a, like the thickness of a business card. So she could be able to slide under a door or whatnot. Kind of like Mr. Fantastic. So um, that was that. And then she also had a camouflage capabilities so she could turn herself essentially invisible with her upgraded powers. But that was non-canon. Then she died and was resurrected by the hand, which is the ninja group in the Marvel universe. And her powers were enhanced again She could alter and conceal her scent to an ability as well. So characters like Wolverine could no longer detect her if she was another person and she didn't have the mystique scent. Wolverine could not be able to detect her as she's moving through. So that's why she's my number three mystique from the X-Men. Moving on to number two and Johnny Leather, what is your number two?
3: My number two was the character uh, Emilio Lopez that John Turturro played in the Adam Sandler movie Mr. Deeds. And that character was just a very sneakly, <laughs> sneaky butler. I, I
0: wanted to say I love this pick. This is amazing. This is so outside the box. Yeah. But, yeah, give, give me, give it to me, man.
3: Yeah, because you're looking for sneaky people. And he pops out of nowhere throughout the whole movie. And he states himself, I'm very sneaky. And he just goes, <laughs> the whole movie, he's sneaking into things. He pops it out of nowhere. So, yeah, number two, I would have to go with... The John Turturro
0: playing Emilio Lopez. That's fantastic. That's a great pick. I, I didn't even think of that, but that's as soon as you said that, it, it just nostalgia just kicked in, yeah. and I was like, I remember that because that's,
3: that's where my mind went to
0: immediately. No, I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it because
2: yeah, we, we think of more of the ongoing things. Yeah, and that's and so, like kind of a one off. Yeah, you know, but that's, so that's good. an
0: awesome pick. So good. Yeah, KB, I'm what like you got?
2: Uh, my number two is from the Resident Evil franchise in gaming. Well, gaming and movies. Um, Ada Wong. Um, Ada Wong is a talk about a um, stealthy uh, spy kind of person here's somebody who in all the games that she's in you never know what team she's playing for she kind of is you know espionage like you don't know if she's on the bad guy side or the good guy side um and she always appears um at the most um important moments and then hides herself very quickly so in other words like when you're playing a game like resident evil you're you're the main character for example leon s kennedy's one of the main characters He'll be going through the game as that character, and she shows up, and she has been following him the whole time. You know, she follows him through the whole game and shows up at all the most appropriate times. Um, Despite wearing red, she's very stealthy because she works with only small weapons. So, like, um, you know, small pistols, crossbows that are silent, those kind of things. She has some really cool weapons as well. She has, um, like, one time she, she does get caught, and she throws her glasses, and they blow up into a flashbang. And she just disappears. She's gone. Uh, You know, that's pretty stealthy, stealthy technology there. Um, She has a compact that has uh, a flashbang as well, plus health packs and things like that. So she's also martial arts, quiet. You don't hear her coming. um, And grappling hook everywhere. So as you're playing the Resident Evil games, particularly four and six, she'll appear in places and she's got her grappling hook. She's going around. And sometimes she's helping you and sometimes she's against you. So she's just one of those characters you, you don't know what, Every time you see her, you don't know what she's doing, and that's stealthy in itself. Not knowing what side that person is on, you know, so kind of like a double agent. I so yeah, it. it's, it's one of it. one of my picks. It's uh, so that's
0: my number two. It's kind of funny because my number two is also a video game character. Yeah. And, and Johnny, I'm gonna reach out to you because I don't know if you're if you are a console guy, if you play video games and whatnot. But uh, there was a game, and I love uh, like pretty much. Uh, one, two, three, and four, as well as another one called Brotherhood. But it's a, a series of games called Assassin's Creed. And my favorite character, and while I do like Ezio, I'm going to go with the original, Altair. Um, I love those games. The levels are very, very frustrating, especially because you have to stay hidden and do stealth kills a lot. Um, you're always hiding from enemies on patrol. If, you're, if the enemies are alert to your presence, you have to hide in the haystacks.
2: Altair, was he the first two
0: games? He was the first. And then two He was, was only the first. Yes. Yeah, he was only and the first. Ezio was I haven't in the played second. them in a while. So. Yeah, so that, that was the one. Um, and then that also in- introduced Eagle Vision. So you want to talk about stealth and being sneaky, you'll be able to be hiding and then turn on your Eagle Vision to find out the intentions if somebody's going to be a friendly or if they're going to be an enemy. And you can kind of plan accordingly in yeah. stealth and hide around and sneak around based on your Eagle Vision. So that's why my number two from the Assassin's Creed series, Altair. Johnny Leather, we're going on to number one now, so what is your number one pick on the final countdown?
3: Well, I am gonna have to cheat a little bit on this. Now, I am... (laughs) Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait. I'm usually the cheater. (laughs) KB is usually the cheater. But he can take it. But you know what? You're the guest. You're the guest. You told us a good story. I'm gonna allow it. I'm gonna allow it. (laughs) Okay. We're gonna let you cheat.
3: All right. now, seeing as the fact that I am in a movie as a character or an extra, you know, concert goer was primarily where I'm on the film. And... You know, to bypass security of a multi-million dollar Hollywood movie in Boston, in today's environment, you know, it definitely took some skill. And get paid. Yes, yes, you know. You're forgetting about the food Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, so I guess I would have to say. I'm number one. No. Johnny Leather is number one
0: on Johnny Leather's list. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, somehow, I think that's just that's just a perfect pick. We're okay with that. Yeah, we're good. Sounds
2: great. Excellent. John, I can accept that. Johnny Leather is number one.
0: KV, what do you what do you
2: have? Uh, my number one is uh, Splinter Cell. Sam Fisher. Great. I was Sam, actually gonna. Sam Fisher is just. Uh, if you said, would Batman sneak up on Sam Fisher? Would Sam Fisher sneak up on Batman? I think Sam Fisher would sneak yeah, up on Batman. I have to give it to that one. Yeah. yeah yeah jeff's like looking at me like no, I,
0: i've never care. played the splinter cell games so. he
2: just he lives in the shadows yep. that whole game is about light yeah. and living in the shadows and coming out with the right times and there is no eagle vision you are watching to see what a patrol does you are watching and it made the games hard especially the first ones were really hard they weren't the later ones were more combat driven but the first couple they were tough
3: yeah, I love um, your pick. I was gonna say, you know, yeah. why not that character? But
2: he he does, yeah. But he does have like the um, you know, the night vision, the heat vision, all that stuff. But he also has like the camera that goes under the doors. You have the sticky, the sticky, uh, was it the sticky noisemakers to have like enemies go the other way, always hanging from ceilings to in in hiding in places to come out and just grab people. And then he usually doesn't kill for the most part. When you're in when you're spying, you are. Mostly putting these guys to sleep In chokeholds and putting them to sleep um, Can do hand-to-hand combat You can do anything um, So yes, it, Sam Fisher is definitely Yeah, that's definitely my number one pick
0: On to me in my number one pick uh, It's a comic book character And she has been in the X-Men movies Albeit horribly And okay. she was actually my pick for Worst Mutant And one of the f- other Final Countdowns This is a character by the name of Psylocke uh uh-huh. And why is she a stealthy slash sneaky character? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, first of all, she's telepathic. So she can mask herself from people using her telepathic abilities and just they won't even see that she's there. She can project illusions. She can control minds. She has cybolts that can knock you unconscious. Um, she can also project herself in the astral plane. So she's got all of that just with her telepathy. But then in the comic books, she was actually, her brain was taken out of her original body and put into the body of a ninja assassin. And now not only does she have all her telepathic abilities, now she's a ninja on top of that. So she can sneak <laughs> there.
2: Telepathic ninja,
0: yeah. I'm just getting started. <laughs> um, then, during a, a, a series and one of the story arcs in the comic books, she gets savagely injured by Sabretooth, and Archangel and Wolverine Find this elixir called the Crimson Dawn elixir, and they use it to bring her, to essentially heal her abilities, and that gave her new abilities. Now she could travel through shadows. So not only does she have all the telepathic abilities, but now anywhere there's a shadow, she can traverse through any place that has a shadow and pop into any area that there's a little bit of darkness or shadow. Then she lost her telepathic abilities and then gained telekinetic abilities. And then she could even use her telekinetic abilities to alter her body composition to render herself invisible to the naked eye. And then she comes from a very uh, famous family. She's got Jamie, Jamie Braddock and Brian Braddock, who are her brothers. And Jamie has the ability to warp reality. He ended up bringing her back to life and made her undetectable from any type of technology. So not only can she mask herself with her mind, but she doesn't appear on any cameras. So she can travel through shadows, not appear on cameras, and knock people unconscious or just appear invisible. So she's my number one pick for the stealthiest character. Folks, all in all, great final countdown.
2: Yeah.
0: Now we're going to go into the, uh, the segment we like to call the bat signal uh, that we're going to kind of like raise some awareness. So I'm going to start with our guest, and I don't want to put him on the spot, but is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, do you have any like websites, Instagrams, anything like that?
3: Yeah, uh, my buddy, uh, Rob Green, he's running the Rogue Island Comedy Fen- Festival. Uh, that's from October 6th to 9th in Newport, Rhode Island. A lot of great comics. Uh, some names I can't say yet, but it's an awesome time. It's the second year they're doing it. Uh, head down to Newport. It's beautiful weather, hilarious comics. Uh, yeah, the Rogue Island Comedy... F- RogueIslandComedyFest.com, October <coughs> 6th to 9th in Newport, Rhode Island, and Rob Green is one of the organizers. Rob
0: Green, um, I know Rob Green personally. I think the guy is hilarious. Oh, he's great. He's got a very sarcastic, uh, from last time I saw him, um, when I used to do the Whatever Broke comedy shows and Rob Green was a part of that, my favorite joke is, and it's very sarcastic, he reminds me a little bit of Mitch Hedberg, but he used to go, they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but if you eat an apple like I do with a switchblade, you keep everybody away. And I just think that that's just such a funny joke. But he's the way his delivery is, he's he's a very funny dude. So yes, definitely check that out. Uh anything else you want to plug?
3: Uh just if you're even thinking about, you know, getting involved in, in show business, there's opportunity, especially in, in the Boston area. You know, just make it happen. Get out there, cast and calls, camera crews. There's so much opportunity in this area. Uh, you know.
0: Make your own opportunity. Exactly. don't let don't let it pass you by. Don't be sitting on your butt. Um, us, KB, you, you want to plug the uh, the Facebook page?
2: Yeah, Facebook page, covers of the week again. It's pretty good ones. this KB week. keeps
0: throwing up the different covers of the week. I love the uh, the detective comics one. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh so that's free your geek yep. on Facebook.com. visit my website, JFreeTheGeek, and then tweet at us at free your geek at Twitter. Uh, with that, we're going to be going out with the song, but I know KB, uh, you want to say my catchphrases. That's okay. Let's
2: start your weekend with your geek friends. Yeah, so we're going to
0: get our geek on, and in honor of Johnny Leather with the Ghostbusters, uh, even though this is this song was on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, this is a song that we're going to go out on called "Spirit in the Sky" by Norman Greenbaum. Folks, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
1: STILL HERE.